time we've had need of you, you've been there for us, Lord, standing with us, Lord, touching our hearts and lifting us up, Lord, in moments of trials and temptations. God, what a mighty God you are. We just ask, Lord, you'd come tonight and meet the needs tonight, Father. Meet it in a way only you can meet them, Lord. Lord, a man's way of meeting needs many times is just temporary, but Lord, you can meet a need for eternity. Lord, we just ask, Father, that you would continue to walk in our midst. You know, those that are around us, Lord, they're watching in the needs in their hearts. Father, those that are sick, Lord God, may you be merciful, I pray. We commit this time in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, if you would, and also Exodus 17. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be home. Amen. Always good to be home. Uh, we had a wonderful time while we were away at Brother Ray Erickson's assembly that put on the, they call it, I guess, the True Word Tabernacle Camp. And it was their first year uh, to have youth camp, but really you wouldn't have been able to tell it. It was such a well-run camp, and, and uh, my, just the atmosphere that was created was a wonderful place to be. And uh, I wish you could have been there. Amen. I wish all of us could have been there. But, uh, you know, we got to experience the other side of things. Um, most of the time we experience buses coming in and people coming in. And, and we got to experience that part of it, traveling there and, and ministering at a camp. And our young people, you know, maybe being in dorms without their favorite people. And, and uh, we definitely found out one thing. There's worse food than Louisiana Youth Camp. <laughs> I'll just say that, but uh, so we're blessed people, <laughs> amen, but uh, yeah, it, it was a wonderful time in the Lord, Brother Andrew Spencer uh, ministered there with me and us together, and my, the Lord just moved in some tremendous ways, and we're just thankful for that, because, you know, without him, this, it, it means nothing, all the miles and all the money and all the everything it means absolutely nothing if he doesn't come by but when he does it means everything because he, he does he, he has eternal benefits and and there's eternal things that have been done and I know our young people uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of the testimonies that were sent to me and and things and God you know what what a, what a testimony would make you do it'll make you real happy that the Lord would reach down and touch and change lives, and that's a wonderful thing. But it also makes you real mad at the devil because of how, what a slime ball he is, what he would do to our girls and to our boys and, and what he would tell them in their minds and, and, and in, their, in their dark places that they go through. I hate him. 
Amen. And he hates me, but that's all right. Amen. But to know that in the middle of all of that, God can come and, and restore and rewrite and make it as though you never done it in the first place. My, what an awesome God we serve. So we would definitely love to thank Brother Nathan Erickson and Brother Ronnie Long and Brother Ray and Brother Wayne Lawson, all the ones that was there. Uh, we know what it's like to put a camp like that on and and it, it doesn't go without sacrifice, and we sure thank them for what they've done to make it available for our youth because this church will reap the benefits of that meeting. Your homes will reap the benefits of that meeting. Amen. So we're thankful for that. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Exodus 17 and verse 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. And behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may, bring, may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Amen. We'll let you be seated. Last time I spoke on this thought of Jesus Christ the same, spoke on the living bread. <clears throat> Tonight I'd like to speak to you on the living water. Amen. Amen, the living water. You know, we know that Israel has always been a historical example of the church because they're natural Israel and we're spiritual Israel. Because Israel was a people that, of God until they came out of Egypt. And Brother Brown said, when they came out of Egypt, they was not just the people of God, they was the church of God, because they were separated from the rest of the world. And he said, when we are separated from the rest of the world, then we become the church. But as long as we are entangled with the rest of the world, we are not in the church. Now, we might be in the church, but we're not in the church. Because if our heart is in the things of the world and the love of, of uh, you know, the love of the world and the things of the world, then the love of God is not even in us, as the Bible would say. Amen. So it takes a separation, amen, to become the church or the bride of Jesus Christ. But as long as our, 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 our foot is, you know, maybe one foot in the church or one foot in the world, we're not in the church. You know, we're, we're maybe a part of a, a certain lifestyle or a part, no, no different than maybe the Baptists or even the Mennonites or something like that, amen, because we have, have desires in our life that are still there, amen. And I'm not talking about temptations, I'm talking about desires, amen. Temptations is something different in many ways because the devil will come and he'll tempt you, but that don't mean that's what you desire to do. Amen, because when there's desires, there's a longing, there's a lust, there's a want for the things of the world more than the things of God. But we know as a people of God, we have to separate ourselves, come out from among those that are unclean, deal not with them, be not partakers of their sin, yoke not up with the unbelievers, but separate yourself from the things of the world. And when Israel was in Egypt, they were the people of God. But when they was called out or had an exodus of coming out, then they were called the church because they had separated themselves unto God from the rest of the world. 
And you know, the very word church means the called out. Amen. The exodus means to come out. Amen. Each one of us as Christians has had an exodus in our life. We've had a time where we we're called out from amongst our associates. We're called out from the people that we once fellowship with and became a different people, a peculiar people, to walk as a different people, act in a different way, walk a different walk, talk a different way. It was the exodus of our life. Every one of us has had to have that. Young people, you're not by yourself. When you come to the Lord and you realize there's things that's been in your life you got to leave behind. You must leave behind. You must cut it completely off. As, as Joshua would say as they entered in, even into the, uh, the promised land, he said, get you a sharp knife and, and let's have a circumcision. Let's cut off the things of the world. Let's cut off everything. And I, I believe there's, if there's ever a perfect time for you young people right now to do that is right now. It's time that you look in your life and you begin to look at it and judge it, not according to your desires or your wants or, or your thoughts, but according to the Word of God. And anything that is not of the the word of God, cut it off. Amen. Because if you're not careful, that thing will lay there and it may seem very innocent, but it'll begin to get bigger and bigger and bigger until it pulls you right back in. Now we've seen that happen in the children of Israel that left, amen, the, uh, the Egyptians and they left Egypt and, and they get on, a, you know, in some difficult times and they begin to look back at what they left. They begin to, uh, you know, lust after the pots, the, the garlic of Egypt and the things of Egypt. Why? Because their heart never left Egypt. Their body may have left Egypt, but their heart didn't leave Egypt. So we want a complete separation from the things of the world. Amen. A complete separation. And sometimes you got to delete phone numbers. Sometimes you got to get a whole different phone number. Amen. Sometimes you got to just completely cut yourself away because that's not who you are. That's not where you're going to be. That's not where you're going back to. I'm going on with Jesus. And I, I know there's many here tonight that made that declaration in this weekend of meetings we have had. Amen. You made a declaration. I'm going on with him. I'm leaving that old past behind. Amen. Well, if you're going to do that, I say it, do it with your whole heart. Amen. Put both feet into the Word of God and your heart into the Word of God and everything. Have an exodus in your life. If you're ever going to have an exodus out of this body into a new body, you've got to have an exodus out of the world into a new life. Amen. So, the, you know, Israel gave us that example when God called them out. They had an exodus. They had a coming out among the people of the world to become a separated nation, a peculiar people. They, they, walk, they begin to walk under the shadows of the mercy seat. They lived and begin to walk by the pillar of fire. God brought them from Egypt to the land that he had promised by the pillar of fire. Hallelujah. What, a, what, a, what, a, what a, an honor to be identified as a people who are led by the pillar of fire. Not led by our emotions, not led by our desires, not led by our humanity, not led by our thoughts and our thinking, but led by the pillar of fire. Now, it ain't just a pastor that's to be led by a pillar of fire or a deacon board or a trustee board or a church. It's individuals, young and old, say, God, I want to be led. I don't want to be led by my passions. I don't want to be led no more by what I want or my desires or, or my humanity. I want to be led by the pillar of fire. I want to be led by the Holy Ghost in my life and in making the decisions. And, and I'm yielding myself and saying, God, not my will, but thy will be done. 
It is an exodus. And they were given a spiritual leader. It was Moses. He was an anointed man for the hour. A great man, a great prophet of God. He had been called from his mother even before the time he was born. A prophecy had laid there. God ordained him before the foundation of the world to be a leader to that generation. To bring this exodus to a people. And Amram began to seek after the Lord. And, and in the moment of the prophecy began to come to be fulfilled. And, and the angel began to spoke, he spoke to Amram and told him what was about to take place. And little Moses was born. And, and they, you know, they feared not the commandments of the king or his threats. They knew that God had his hand on Moses and that settled it. No matter what the king said, what the political world said, what everything else said, they knew God has his hand on Moses. So they wasn't scared to turn him loose in the midst of the crocodiles. They, amen. They wasn't scared of that. Yet Moses was put right in a little ark, set right among the crocodiles, sit right down the river because they didn't fear that. They knew God had his hand on Moses. Oh, Hallelujah. Well, now, if we could just have, know the same thing, that our great leader, the Holy Spirit, God has sent him, and he's our leader. He's our leader. It's not a man that's leading. It's the Holy Spirit that's leading. It's men that have, have come under the unction and the, and, the, and the power of the Holy Ghost. And no matter what the world says, no matter how much they want to laugh at us, they want to make fun of us. We're following our leader. Amen. No matter what they say, we're following the Holy Ghost. No matter how much they make fun of us, we're following the pillar of fire. No matter how much they want to call us a bunch of holy rollers and fanatics, we're following the pillar of fire. And where it leads, I'm going to go. We must follow him. He's been sent to us to lead us and guide us. He said, a little while in the world will see you, me no more, but ye shall see me. For I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Oh, hallelujah. To think about that, we're a privileged people because there's a a whole millions and maybe even billions of people that can't even see him. Many of them even deny his own existence, but even those that that even say there is a God, many of them cannot see the pillar of fire that's leading the church. Listen, it wasn't just Moses with a rod, and maybe that's all the Egyptians saw when they was looking out their windows that morning and peeping out their curtains after the death angel had passed, and they got brave enough to come out, and they saw, amen, these millions of, of Jews or Israelites come walking out, and, and Moses in front with a rod, but what they failed to see, it wasn't just a rod, it wasn't just Moses, it wasn't just a bunch of people, it was an amber light that was burning, it was a pillar of fire that was leading them. And people are not careful. All they see in our services, and, and maybe it's this song, and somebody begins to dance, or, or this goes on, and this word goes forth, and they think it's just a bunch of this or that. Amen. But listen, it's more than that. What they fail to see is the amber light, the Spirit of God that is moving among us. When a fellow receives Christ as a Savior, let me back up for a minute, sorry. So we must follow this leader, do what he says. And this leader will never take us 
off the path. He will keep us right on the path of the scriptures at all times. But he'll never go to one side for something or this side for something. He'll stay right straight on the road of the scriptures. Oh, I love that. On the road of the scriptures, you know. But could you imagine the joy that was in the camp? As they would walk out of Egypt and they would begin to make their journey towards the promised land, the shouting and things that were going on. He said, it's just like when a fellow receives Christ as a Savior, everything is on the housetop. But before this man can come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this person, he must go through a sanctifying process. And it's a testing time. And, and things are done. And chastisements. And, and all this is going on. He's wondering what's happening. And he says, all, but all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord. Then we're sons and daughters of God. But then after all of that, he comes and seals us with the Holy Spirit until the day of our redemption. He said, but when they were down in Egypt, God sent Moses. He stretched forth a rod and flies and lights and things come forth. And he showed it all the way. And while they were there, things were taking place in Egypt. But over in Goshen, nothing was going on. It was sunshine. It wasn't no clouds. It was, no plagues struck them. It was a glorious time. He said, just like you did when you first got saved. Oh, everything. The birds sang different. Everybody was sweet. Nobody was out to get you. Everybody loved everybody. But then the trying time comes. All of a sudden the car breaks down and dishwasher quits. Ain't talking about your wife, I'm talking about the dishwasher. The dishwasher quits. Everything was just going dandy when you first got saved and, and things were happening. What's going on? He says, sanctifying time. It's a time God is laying, making you to lay aside the weights that so easily beset you. He said, you a man had to stop your smoking, stop your drinking, stop going to the pool rooms and your all-night card parties and those things. Had to sanctify yourself. Now, that might not be what you're dealing with. It might be social media in this day we're living in. And things that have been distracting you and, 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 the, and the things that have been going on. You, he said, you women, to let your hair grow out. Lengthen your dress. Act like you're different than you was. Sanctifying times. He said, but many will go through that process and rebel. And say, I don't want to go no further. But not a child of God. A child of God, when he starts, he looks straight at Calvary because he knows this is for my good. Hey, I don't understand. You know, as a young man, you looked at your daddy when he pulled out that belt or that whooped off that switch off a tree and he began to whoop your hive for something you'd done. He's telling you it's for your good. And you're trying to figure out how in the world is stripes on my back and, and a belt against my bottom and stinging going on for my good. But it was for your good. It showed you that was the wrong thing to do. That was not where you're supposed to be. That was not who you're supposed to, where you're supposed to go. Amen. This is exactly the chastisements of God coming in our lives. It's for our good. Everything he does is for our good. Every situation that happens, he allows to take place, is for our good. You know, in the process of time in Israel, when there's great crowding in time, when the people begin to fall away, then in their chatting, well, we wish we were back down in Egypt. Our souls loathe as this light bread. 
He said, in other words, in the modern day time, it would be like this. Oh, every Wednesday night, we got a prayer meeting. We got service. Every Sunday morning, back to church. What do we hear? The same thing. The preacher stands up and preach songs. Go back. He said, see, you're just going in as a line of duty. He said, you need to come as a worshiper. A worshiper goes in there to worship, to express himself before his God, to praise God for his goodness to every word. He hangs on to it. Just like a love affair, you know. If you was to go with a girl because you knew it was a duty or your mama wanted you to go with this certain guy, wanted you to go with this certain boy, you know, you didn't get nothing. You didn't feel the feeling you feel around certain people, you know. You know, they want you to go with somebody. I'm going to try not to use no examples. Mercy. But you got, you know, you got this and you, uh, maybe a certain uh, mom got her eye on a certain boy for a daughter and said, what do you think about this one? Nah. Nah. But for mama's sake, you try it. And you're like, ah, well, you know, he, he just does dumb stuff. He just says the dumbest jokes. And it don't do nothing for you. There's no connection there. You, of course, we can go back the other way. I mean, the boy tries to do it out of, the, out of his father's or her mother's desire. And, and, and you know, you know, I see her. She don't ever have her hair fixed. She just don't have that sparkle in her eye. She just don't have, you know, and that, that's not, he said, see, it bores you. He said, why? Because it's not a love affair. He said, but if love is there, you don't care what it is, how it is, what's taking place. You want to be with him. And he said, it's the same way with God. You won't say, why does he preach so long? Ah. Hallelujah! You know, your parents are laughing at your kids and I just smoke their hides. Why does he preach so long? Why? What about all this stuff and everything? See, the problem is you're not in love. When you really hang on to every word because it's a living water, I gotta have a drink. Hanging on to every word. Now, by the way, all that was a direct quote. I can give it to you after church. That might be what he's been talking to you about. Hanging on. It's eternal life. Every word of God. He said it's a joy to go to church under any circumstance. Whoa, hallelujah. Whether it's hot, cold, and different, whether people are fussing, growling, whatever they're doing, it's a joy to hear the word of the Lord. Then when you know you're in that place, you know you're in love with Christ. You love to go to church. Wow. I feel like there's a few streaming things just clicked off. <laughs> he said, well, honey, here's Sunday morning again. I guess we have to wash up the young ones and get down there. Mine's boresome. See, you're not in love. But if you're in love, you can't wait till Sunday morning comes. You just get, got to get down there with them people of God because they don't bore you. 
they are your brothers and your sisters. He said that's the way Israel was supposed to be, but it had become a burdensome thing to them. This old light bread, it was angel's bread. It was the creative power of God they were eating. What do we care about this light bread? Our souls loathe to this stuff. Everything's wrong. This old man that falls out every night, we'd rather have garlic leak out of Egypt. Hey, man, if they, were, if they had Facebook, it would have been all over Facebook. I'm going to just be honest with you. Y'all have a dangerous preacher up here tonight. Hey, man, you see, their hearts wasn't ready for the journey. Hello, somebody. Their hearts wasn't ready for the journey. He said, when a man or a woman begins to complain about going to church, they get so tired of going to church, they're not ready for the journey. There's something wrong somewhere. Israel in her testing time, she got to quarreling and fussing with one another, loathing over the bread, and they wanted to go back to Egypt, and they begin to complain about their leader. They was afraid he was leading them the wrong direction. He showed himself already over and over that he was the leader. God had proved it. But, well, maybe we're, we're just acting a little bit fanatically. Maybe we started off on the wrong foot. See, they was chatting against God and against Moses. God and his leader. Listen, when you under, I want you to understand sometimes when you speak about a man who's delivering his heart, and it may go a little long. But you're not chatting against just the man. You're chatting against the leader as well. Amen. So we got to get to a place. I don't know whether the word means this or that. I don't know about the Holy Spirit. So we, we come to this place. I'm a little skeptic. I don't know about what others are doing. Well, going on back to Egypt. Going back to Egypt. But if you're really determined to stay on the road of the scriptures, stay with the pillar of fire, stay with the Holy Spirit, stay with the word of God, it'll keep you all the way. Hallelujah. And don't be afraid of it. Too many people are afraid of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, really what they're afraid of is how they're going to react in the presence of the Holy Ghost. He said it won't hurt nothing. It'll just help you if you are hurt. Mercy. I I, I was listening to this sermon on the the mower the the day that my mom had passed away. He said, it won't hurt you. He said, it'll help you if you are hurt. It'll heal all the hurts. The Holy Spirit will. Oh, God, let the Holy Spirit heal our hurts. Maybe you've been holding grudges and stuff in your heart against somebody. Right now, you ought to say, Lord, let the Holy Spirit come over my life. Let me let all that stuff go because you can't carry that where we're going. It'll take you back to Egypt. You cannot take the burdensome of bitterness and, and anxieties and fears like that and things that you've held on from through family generation. You can't take that with you where we're going. But they found themselves in Horeb. It was a dry place, a desert. In the driest of places, in the worst of, it seemed like, impossibilities, it was going to be a place to find water. He said, see, when we get out of fellowship with one another in church and out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it brings us to dry places. That's why it's important to come to church. 
He said, because you get out in the desert, nothing's alive. Everything got stickers. How many of you ever been in the desert? It seemed like everything in the desert to hurt you. You got stickers of every kind on you. You, you don't even have to touch them, and they'll touch you. Jump right on you. Amen. That sounds like some people I know. <laughs> been in the desert too long. He said, but see what that was? That was a precious little tender leaf, but it hadn't had no water. So with no water, it becomes a dried up hardness around it until it's so tight it becomes a sticker. And when you see somebody like that, maybe it's a precious soul that if they could get some water, it'd be tender again. But instead of that, it wound itself up to it's a sticker and starts punching at everything, finding fault with everything. But the only thing it needs is just water. It just needs a revival, a breaking up, a refreshing from the Lord. And it'll unfold its little self if you'll just put it in the water. And that's why them all that live in that place has to suffer in the conditions of that place. And those who desire to live in that kind of atmosphere, where everything's just punching and fussing and quarreling and stewing, you'll just live under that atmosphere, that's all. We don't have to live, but you don't have to live there. And it's definitely not necessary to stay there. This Horeb was a place where God was discouraged with people because they had wandered, they had moved around, went the wrong way and bickering and fighting and fussing and moaning and groaning. He brings them to this place. He said, as Brother Bramble said, it would be a beautiful lesson for us. He said, because we can get so out of cater and so world-bound and it'll cause God to take the judgments of the world and to smite his own son with it at Calvary that we might go free. Now, in order for them people to get some water, after they got over there, it was this dry place that was made at Calvary. And there God told Moses, he said, take a rod. Go up there and I'll stand with you on the rock. And this rock was Christ. And Moses, with that rod, when he brought the judgment upon the nation of Israel, took the same rod and smote the judgments of God upon the rock. He took the sins of the people onto this rod, which should have smote the people. But instead of smiting the people, he smote the rock. Oh, hallelujah. And the rock, through the work of God, brought salvation to a perishing people that was dying without water. And that's what God did when he took his wand of judgment and he wound up my sins and your sins and he wound them around his rod and he struck Christ and from him might come forth waters, which means his spirit. The Holy Ghost might be released from his body that we could have life. Dried and stagnated and hardened. There was some of you that was so hardened in your life you thought there'd be no way you'd ever live for God. But God didn't take the rod and smite you. He took the rod and smote the rock so that waters could come trickling down into Mississippi and over into Texas and up into Arkansas and down in Louisiana, the Holy Spirit trickling into homes and places. Amen to where you thought there ain't no hope for me. There ain't no way I can ever make it. But God didn't smite you. He smote the rock. And out of it came the Spirit of God. And it began to woo over your life. And here you're in this hardened condition. And little droplets begin to fall on you. 
And God begin to minister moisture into your life to where you can open up and you can become exactly what God wanted you to be in the first place. Hallelujah. From the waters of life. Brother Brown said, I've seen so many intellectual drawings. Listen to intellectual drawings. So one of the most critical ones I ever seen was this little rock laying on top of a hillside. And Moses was supposed to have smitten it. And Israel was down there with a teacup getting a drink out of a little sprinkle that fell down from this rock. He said, now that's just somebody's idea. But when this rock broke forth, its waters, there was over 2 million people besides ox, camels, and everything else that drank in the tubs of water that come from it. It was a gushing stream. It was showing, it was signifying something. His Holy Spirit is not just a little sprinkle here and a sprinkle there and a sprinkle here. It's a gusher. It's a moving of the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a mighty flowing river. Listen, you might can't stand still under a sprinkle, but you get in a flowing river, you can't stand. You can't stand against it. It'll move you. It'll touch you. It'll do things to you. Amen. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll do things in your life. Amen. Why? Because it's a moving stream of life. It'll make you act in ways you never thought you would act. It'll make you shout. It'll make you dance. It'll make you speak in tongues because it's not just a little sprinkle on the top of your head. It's a gusher of the Holy Ghost. It's God moving through his people and changing lives forever. Listen, you don't have to come to church with a teacup and just worry about you're going to get something tonight. God's got something for you every service. He got something for you every day. He got something. All you got to do is say, God, I want another drink. I want more of you. Amen. And he's never going to run out. That's the way they try to make Christ, the Holy Spirit, just a little sprinkle. Just enough to make you believe there's a God. But it's an abundance of water. My cup runneth over. It's a gusher of the Holy Spirit. But people are afraid of it. Now listen to what he says. He says, well, I'm a little afraid I'll do this or that. Or if I happen to go a little too deep, I can show you someone that went too far. He said, true. But you'll never, but you never point to one that didn't go far enough. How about the just about you only want to point to those that go far, too far, but why don't you just look at those that don't go far enough? He said, We've had some people that got into the flesh and got on the wrong foot. Because of that, because of not good leadership and so forth, they continued on that foot and they went into fanaticism. He said, Then the whole world, the devil points at them and says, See that? See that? Fanaticism. He said, let me stand this morning and point back to the tens of million times more than that never even made a start. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's what they want to do at our youth camps. They want to point to fanaticism. And well, they don't, they come back and they don't do this and they don't, they don't know. They're so confused. Well, they don't point to any in their meetings that don't even make a start. criticizing and making fun and, and carrying on. I, I don't have time for it. Because I'm not going to look at those that don't take, make a start. I'm going to look at those that's making a start and going on with Jesus. 
Sure, they may get off on the wrong foot. But the, who, what was it that started them down that path? It was the moving of the Holy Ghost. People want to, you know, they want to clamp down on our services and, and they, up in that area especially want to clamp down on worship and clamp down in, in, in things of, of the Holy Ghost and say it ain't so. Well, you can have your sprinkle. I'll take the gusher. You can have what you want, all you want, but I'm going to have all I want. If that's as far as you want to go, fine. I'm happy for you. I wish you'd go further, but I'm going on with Jesus. Amen. 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 He said, some people has upon their hearts and mind that all Israel drank and they packed up their camels and tied their hitches on their horses and so forth and took their kids and journeyed on somewhere else and left the rock there. Wrong. The rock followed them. The water followed them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, listen, young people, you ain't got to worry about that you left that rock up there in Ohio. Amen. You, you, you that's here tonight, you ain't got to worry about it that the rock was here Sunday. No, it's there, where, there with you every day. Amen. It ain't you following the rock. The rock is following you. Oh, he said, what a beautiful type. The beautiful hole and the anchor for the believer that knows that that rock that was once smitten, that water that once poured from Calvary, goes with us wherever we are. Amen. It's not go back to a certain place or go to a certain camp, I'll say, or to a certain church, but he's with you wherever you go. We, we did have water day before yesterday. We got water right today. Because the rock is Christ, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That rock followed Israel. They never followed the rock. The rock followed them. Israel would go on their journey and had but one thing to do. Keep a straight course, go to the promised land. The rock was following them, and the water was in the rock was with them. God took the judgments and placed them on Christ. Did you notice there was a cleft in the rock from then on, a scar in his side. The rock had a, le- had a cleft where Moses smote it. Christ had a cleft. He was wounded for our transgression. By his stripes were healed, and from that life comes waters of life that we so enjoyed it day. He said the life of Christ stays with the church. Christ does not leave the church. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. I'll never leave you, forsake you. It's the people that leaves Christ, not Christ leaving the church. Because the Bible plainly says the rock and water followed Israel. And the same God that goes with his church this morning, that's drink from this fountain. Wherever you make a footstep, God will be right there. The rock will be right with you. The water that gives you the life is still there. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. He said people in the testing times drop away like Israel did. They think God's left them. But the rock never left Israel. Israel left the rock. So if you find yourself without God, go back to where you left him. It was right there. It went right with them to the end of the road. It followed them. And I love this part. I shouted. 
on my lawnmower. It was never out of speaking distance. It wasn't out of hearing distance. And it wasn't out of seeing distance. And neither is Christ with the church today. He is never, I say never, out of speaking distance. Whenever you have need of water from the rock, say, God, I want another drink. Hey, you know how to cure a hangover? Take another drink. Amen. You know how to go? You just get drunk all over again. That's what a good drunk does. Amen. Why? Because we're, we're not even worried about whoever makes the beer. We're not, we're not even on that because they're going to run out one these days and they're going to burn in hell. But we have an inexhaustible fountain of life. Take another drink. You say, oh, Brother Timothy, I, I feel a little down since I got off the bus. Take another drink. I ain't talking about drink of Facebook and Instagram and whatever you've been drinking on before. It's time to kick them drinks to the curb. Put them out and let the trash man take them or let a fire burn them and drink from the everlasting waters. I love this. He said, some of you have backslid. Some of you have done things wrong. You've lost the joy and your water's dried up. He's still in speaking distance of you. He follows you. He knows every move you make. He's longing to hear you call on him. God is waiting for you to call on him. You're never out of speaking distance. Though we've done wrong, we sin, we turned our backs, we've done things we ought not to do, yet he's still with us. Amen. Man, that ought to shut that devil's mouth up when he tells you God's left you. God cannot leave you because his word says he won't. Matter of fact, his word says I'm following you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. He's not just with you at a camp. He's not just with you in a church service. He's with you every day of your life. He's with you in your dark places. He's with you in the hallways. He's with you in your bedroom. He's with you no matter where you may go. Tell that devil to shut up. My God is with me. He's following me. He's walking with me. And when I have a need, all I got to say is, God, I have a need. And take another drink. Hallelujah. That is a lie of the devil. God has never left you alone in your bedroom. God has never left you alone on your job. God has never left you alone anywhere. His word says he followed them through a desert place. He followed them through hills and valleys and every kind of things they went through. He was right there with them. Mercy. When they got thirsty, they knew the water was near. Oh, my. When you begin to think about the power that has been revealed in this day, and the word that has come down in this day. And all the things that Jesus did. And how he worked. And how he fulfilled things in his life. You think he's going to get down to this place. And say see you later. 
My power ain't big enough. It ain't strong enough. It ain't, it ain't going to be a hug. I've got to skip a few things here. But Israel lost their faith. They got off the path. They began to lust after the flesh pots. They stayed with faith, believing that God was going to take them to the land. There would have been nothing hinder them. He had already opened up the seas. Plagues had fell upon their enemies. The enemies was dead, laying behind them, walking over into the land, still couldn't have faith to go into the promise. But Joshua and Caleb said, we're more than able. So I told Brother Ray, I said, Brother Ray, Brother Ray Erickson, he's, I believe, in his, in his 80s. You wouldn't know it. Just a courageous heart, a lion that has stood against formalism and every kind of spirit of hell that wants to come steal the worship out of churches and the praise of God the shout of the king in the camp has stood sometimes seemingly by himself but stood and I told him I walked up to him at the end of those meetings or sometimes right there maybe in the middle of it wherever and I said brother Ray I want to thank you for being a true Caleb if I've ever seen one in my life it's you That'll look at all this and say, boys, we're more than able. We're not just able. We're more than able. We've got to have that heart. We've got to look into these things and realize, hey, the world's getting worse and things are going on and things are crumbling very quickly and it seems like whew, things are getting tighter and tighter and Anxiety is getting more and more, fear more and more, demons on every hand more and more. We've still got to look at it and say, we're more than able. Because he gave me the faith to stand up out of the muck of this world and put me up on a rock. And I know he didn't do all of this to leave me. I know he didn't do all what he's done to go off somewhere in the wild blue yonder and say, have a good time. No, he's there with us. He's fighting every step of the way. He's a Lord, the man of war. He's God rich in mercy. He's going to reach down to the lowest of places and down in that miry clay where that last seed is. He's ready to reach down and grab it out and say, children, it's time to go home. Amen. We got to be ready because that rock is walking with us and we're going to continue to drink from the rock of eternal life and it's going to continue to work in our bodies until we take every inheritance that God has given the church of the living God. And there's got to be men that'll say, we're more than able. Back off, devil. You're not coming into this place. Got to be men that say, not we will be. We are now sons of daughters of God. And the ever-living presence of the Holy Ghost is with us. There's got to be men that will stand for the Holy Ghost baptism. For the experience to come into a heart to change them. Brother William, he found out Brother Ray stood for that. Amen. He looked over at him and said, I feel to go over there and tell him he didn't really know who he was at the time. Brother Ray hadn't been up on the front. You know, his grandson is running the camp and things pretty much and other ministers. He's in the back, so not everybody would know who he was. 
And he's come to the front and praying for the needs on a Friday night. Brother William feels it in my heart. I need to go to him and say, I need the Holy Ghost. He found out that man believed in the Holy Ghost. He, he believed in the experience that it took to receive it. He believed, amen, just as, as Brother Brandon would talk about, the smiting of that rock was a, a symbol or, or, or significant to the Holy Spirit coming out of him and coming on the day of Pentecost. And he said, we don't have to smite it again. The first time it was smit, it'll work every time. Amen. But you just got to go back and take original drink of the original power. And I don't mean go back as to go back 2,000 years ago. I mean go back to that same source that they went to. When that Holy Ghost come out of him on Calvary, came back on the church on the day of Pentecost, the same Holy Ghost is present this morning. It's that rock followed the church all the way down through the church ages. Amen. It went all the way to town. It gave us a promise. That's the reason walking before the sick people, when he commissioned me yonder, I believed it. God said so. That's how visions have happened. God promised it. God cannot lie. Believe it. You got to believe it. God got to be something there to open that damper, to open that thing to let you in on it. What we need today is not pray for more power. He said, you got enough power to make a new earth. What we need is faith to use that power. What you need is to control that life and live such a godly life that when you ask God anything, you know he'll bring it to pass. We have confidence of God of that. We know if we keep his commandments, he will withhold no good thing from us if we walk with him and God is walking with us. Stay the course. They had, they had the pillar of fire to keep the course. Stay with the pillar of fire. Stay with it. We stay with the word, and the word will produce the signs. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They wandered off. Israel wandered off, wandered off the path, and they lost their water supply. And he said, I wonder if that ain't what the church has done today. They wandered off the path. And they've lost, they go into isms, and they've adopted things, and they've adopted apostle creeds, and where do you find that in the Bible? They adopted catechisms and adopted denominations instead of an experience. They adopted shaking hands instead of a born-again experience. They adopted sprinkling instead of water baptism. They, opted, they adopted an evil form, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, when there's no such a thing as the Bible. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. There's one thing to do. If you want the same water, come back to the same path and get back on it. He ain't left. He's still there. But we'll take creeds instead of Christ. We don't want it. You know, they don't want tongues. They, want, they don't want shouting spells. They don't want none of that. But it's in there. They want some dried-eyed confession, organized a little bit, but they lose their water. That's exactly what Pentecost did. They begin to organize. They begin to break up fellowship. We can't fellowship with you because you don't sing the same songs we sing. You don't believe the same thing we believe. And they begin to cut off fellowship, but they've lost their water. I'll just say it. Somebody said, why, why, I don't think I've ever seen two ministers stand so hard against formalism and, 
and starchness and, and stand so strong for worship than we have in this last weekend of meeting. Somebody was telling Brother Wayne, he said, well, he said, do you not know where you're at? He said, these men got poked in their eye by that nonsense. They were ready to fight. Yeah. I had a young man come running to me at the end of the service. He said, I was one of them exactly what you were talking about, where I thought I had it all figured out. And we was taking this song out, and we was taking that song out, and we was taking this out. He said, I didn't realize how bad a shape I was in until God come down in a moment and supernaturally delivered me. And he said, I want to be a voice to you, Brother Timothy, that says, thank you. Thank you for preaching this. He said, even though I've been delivered by such a supernatural visitation, he said, that spirit still tries to come back. And he said, it's tried to come into every church around here and try to push its way in. He said, stand with it, against it with all your heart. He said, because I'm one of them that's set free. Amen. He knew what it was like to be thirsty. He knew what it was like to not have water. And once he got a drink of it. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you also, you know what it was like out in the world. You try to quench your thirst with every kind of thing out there. We can name a whole bunch of stuff. But when you found this water, you found something that could quench the most inward desire of your heart. This is what I've been longing for. This is what I've been wanting. This is what I've been desiring. I've been looking for this. And it changed everything. And you spoke and you said, this is that. This is my heart's desire. This is what I wanted. And I say, God, I want another drink. You can remain standing. Christ was smitten once. He said, that's that original experience. That's that original way. On the day of Pentecost, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, there is no other way. Musicians can come. He said, every man in the Bible is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Every man in the Bible has got the Holy Ghost come God's way. Exactly the same thing. They had the same experience, the same signs following them, the same works followed them. They lived by the rock. They got the same water. Mercy, so much stuff here. But you have been put in an inexhaustible fountain of life. You don't ever have to worry about him running out of water. You don't have to ever worry about him running out of refreshing from the presence of God. You don't have to have to take it easy on service because you're afraid it may not be there. No. Drink. Drink. This is what Brother Brown would talk about the inexhaustible. He said, when you plant a tree in the ground, the only thing it has to do is drink. And when it goes to drinking, it has to drink more than its portion. And it begins to drink and drink and drink. You know how it is when you plant them, you got to water them like crazy. Keep watering it. Some of you are new Christians, started on a new path. Keep watering it, keep drinking. Listen to sermons. Listen, read your Bible. Pray. Fellowship together around goodly things. Godly things. 
keep drinking. The more you drink, the more it pushes out. He said, that's the way we are. We're planted in Christ Jesus through the inexhaustible fountain of life. And we start drinking. The more we drink, the more you'll push out. It'll bring out all the elements of Christ. And all the elements that's in that tree that's ever was in you is already in you. The gift that God has called you to, the trouble of it is you won't drink. Don't you believe he's an inexhaustible fountain of life? Come to me. All ye ends of the world and drink. The devil don't care how much you come. As long as you don't drink. He could care less how many times you walk into this door. If you're not drinking. If you're not feeding on the word. He could care less. There's a fountain open. Flowing freely. Just drink till you can't drink no more. I've seen what it'll do to somebody that really gets a drink. We go to another one. So could you imagine talking about the inexhaustible God, inexhausting God's love? Talking about exhausting God's love and power and beneficiaries. Could you imagine a little bitty fish out in the middle of the ocean saying, now wait a minute, I better consider something here. I better drink this water sparingly because I might run out. A little fish in the middle of a big ocean. He said, that could easily, more easily be done than you can ask too much of God. He's the inexhaustible fountain of life. Whatever you have need of, ask him and believe it. He provided in the redemptive blessings when he died at Calvary and gave a promise to you for everything you ever need, have need of between here and the end, end the journey. It's yours if you'll ask could you imagine a little mouse saying, well, I, I can only eat so many grains a day because I'm going to run out and he's in the great gardens of Egypt? He said, that's the way people act as Christians. Get up in the morning, eat a little grain. God bless my family. Keep us close. Amen. I've ate my grain. I've done my religion for the day. You're afraid of running out. He said, I like to lay down and drink a while. He said, just have a real spiritual gastronomical jubilee. Just drink till you just can't drink no more. He said, why don't you do that tonight? Why don't you open up your life and say, Father, I want to take another drink. He said, Brother Timothy, I've been drinking all weekend. Well, take another drink. I took one just a few moments ago. God poured out, take another drink. There's one filling, many refillings. Many outpourings. Let's just open up our hearts. Why don't you just open up your hearts and just talk to them for a moment. Say, Lord, I, I need another drink. I need another drink, Lord. I, I want to drink from that inexhaustible fountain of life. Yes, Lord. Open up yourself. Say, Lord. I remember the day you saved me. I remember what you done for me. I wouldn't mind drinking so much that I got back to that moment. That feeling of how you moved through me, Lord, and how you touched me. And how you lifted me up out of that miry clay. And you set me up on a stable place, a rock. And from that rock, I can get a drink. 
So many more scriptures. The woman at the well, he showed who he was. He showed right there, I am the rock that followed them in the wilderness. He's here for you. It's time some of you young people go home and throw your water pots away. That's what the woman at the well, she thought that was everything important was a water pot. But when he gave her that drink, she left that water pot. She left it behind. She said, come see. Come see a man who's told me all things. You know, there was a presence in that meeting that told you things. That wasn't Andrew Spencer or Wayne Lawson or Timothy Pruitt. That was the angel of the Lord. He gave you a drink. Keep drinking. Keep experiencing more of God. Keep having more of Him. Yes, Jesus.
sing it again from please. 